God, we thank you that we're together today. We thank you for another beautiful day as we're gathering. Just a reminder of your goodness. A reminder of the fact that we experience your love in many ways. And as we look at this truth, God, that you are love, I, I pray that this wouldn't be just one of those moments where we're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. God, in a fresh way, would you remind us of the significance of your love and the call that that also gives us to love the people in the world around us. So God, just work in these next few moments. Would your Holy Spirit be at work and would you um, just speak in our time together? Thank you. Amen. If, if I started a sentence by saying God is, what are some ways that you could finish that sentence? And, I, and I'm not just, yeah, I want real responses. So what would you say? God is good. Okay, what else would we say? God is love. Okay, that's the one I'm looking for, so that's good. You got it quick. Daniel, what else would we say? What was that? God is powerful. I like that. Awesome. God is awesome. Trafford? Yes, God is Trinitarian in nature. Very good. Um, okay, Weston, what would you say? God is holy and just. You've got two there. That's good. Anything else? There's a lot, right? We could just keep going and going and going. But the thing is, what we will typically find is that just as Joshua gave us, that phrase, God is love, is probably one of the ones, if not the one, that comes quickest to our mind. And I want to ask you guys together to think about with me, why is that? Like, why do we think... God is love. When we think about God is statements, why is that one of the ones that comes to our mind first? Maybe it's because we've heard it often. I'm not sure. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because if you grew up in the church, it was something that was drilled into you as a child. Like this thought, you know, if you grow up in a Christian family, you grow up hearing Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Maybe we think God is love because we've read that in the Bible often. It's something that comes quickly to our mind. Or perhaps it's, perhaps it's because we really almost want it and need it be, to be true. I mean, if you, if you think about it, if God isn't love, man, that would be a very interesting world in which we would live. Uh, you know, our worldview would start to deconstruct at that moment and everything would unravel. So love is important, and, and this idea that God is love is also very important. Uh, but, but this term love can be somewhat vague. I think uh, Yasmin was hinting at that when she was talking about all these things that she loves. We, it's kind of like that term good in the English language that Colin talked about last week. When we say, say that God is good, that covers a lot of ground, right? Whereas when we say God is love, equally, it covers a lot of ground. It's a very broad term. I was thinking about, okay, how do we illustrate that? It's a little bit like somebody coming to me and saying, hey, where are you from? And I would say, well, I'm from Australia. Now, that's somewhat helpful, but to be honest, it's not that helpful because I looked it up this week. Do you know how many United Kingdoms you can fit in Australia? Just a guess. Anybody? 32. You can fit 32 United Kingdoms in Australia. That's how big Australia's landmass is. And so there's, uh, when I say, hey, yeah, um, 
I'm from Australia, that's somewhat helpful, but it's a very vague definition of where I'm from. It's not very clear. So when we say God is love, that can sometimes feel a little bit vague and not very clear. And part of the reason for that is we use this term love in so many different ways. Like I could say to you, and this would be true, that I love cheesecake. I really do love cheesecake. But when I say that, what I mean by that is I like the taste. I like, I enjoy the flavor. I like the texture. Like, that's what I like about it. But that's different from saying, and this also would be true, saying that I love my kids or that I love my friends. That also is true, but that means that there's a warmth, there's a relationship, there's a connection there. Uh, And that's different again from saying that I love Liz, my wife. In that sense, there's this element that I, there's a romantic element to that. And so this term love gets used in so many ways. I think you get the point. So when we say that God is love, what exactly do we mean by that statement? I want to take you to a passage in the Bible here in a moment that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the reason I want to take you to this passage is because it, it talks very specifically about love. Often when we talk about these attributes of God, we're like, you know, pulling from a whole bunch of different passages. When it comes to love, there's actually this beautiful whole chapter written specifically about love. And so we're going to look at that in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we're clear on something. When we talk about the fact that God is love, it actually has personal responsibilities or personal implications attached to it. And what I mean by that is that when we say God is love, that also means that there's this calling on our love lives to love. This is not one of those attributes of God's where we're like, oh, that's good for God. I'm glad that he is that. Trafford brought up earlier this idea that God is three in one. We don't preach about the fact that God is three in one, that he's Trinitarian in nature, and then say, okay, guys, God's a trinity. Go and be a trinity, right? Like, that would be silly. But what we do is there are certain attributes like God is love, but we say God is love, but he also calls us to love. And, and the reason we say that, we know that, is the Bible is very clear on this. I mean, Jesus himself was asked, Matthew 22, somebody came up to him and said, hey, what does God want us to do more than anything? They put it like this. What is the greatest commandment? Which basically means, what does God want? And what was Jesus' response? He said, love God with all your heart. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is at the core of both of those actions. And so when we talk about love, we've got to understand that, yes, God is love, but it also has attached to it this calling on our lives. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 13. It's actually trying to help us understand how we're called to live, how we're called to love one another, all the same time defining God and His love. And so with that said, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. And as we do that, we probably should understand a little bit of the context, which is right before... Chapter 13 is chapter 12. And in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it's talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about all these cool things that God starts to do in our lives when the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. And how the Holy Spirit causes us to become generous or or helps us to be uh, hospitable or to grow in faith. And all these cool things that God starts to do. gives us the gift of teaching. And different people have different giftings. And it's a really cool passage. But the last sentence in that passage says this, And I will show you a still more excellent way. So what it's saying is, hey, all these spiritual gifts are actually really cool. 
But wait a sec, there's actually something that's even better than that. And then it goes on to chapter 13, which is all about love. So love is even cooler than all of these things. And so I have, I think it is Anya, who's going to read for us our first passage today, which is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Anya, if you don't mind just standing up and, yeah, in a loud voice reading for us, that would be great. Thank you, and you're great job. Um, so, as we read this passage together, what are you guys seeing there? Well, I mean, it's talking about all these amazing things that we could do for God, like being a martyr or, or having great faith to do miracles, like moving mountains, all sorts of crazy things. But what's interesting is that it's saying there, if I do all of those things and I don't have love, it doesn't say I'm just kind of not being as awesome as I could be or should be. It actually goes on and says, actually, I'm missing everything. It puts it like this. It says, if I don't have love, I am nothing and I gain nothing. So love is hugely important, but the question still remains, what is love? And it actually goes on and tells us exactly what love is in the next few verses. And so I think I have Emily who's going to read for us verse 4 through the first sentence of verse 8. You got that, Emily? It's okay if you read on a bit. Okay, yeah, and it finishes there. Love never ends. Great job, Emily. Thank you. So what a, what a thorough definition we have here. I mean, if we want to know what love is, we can't really ask for a better definition. This is what love is. It's, it's patient. It's kind. It's not seeking its own. It's rejoicing in truth. It bear, it's bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things. It endures. It, it lasts. This is what love is as God defines it, and it actually is what God is. So when we say rightly that God is love, that means that we can take these things that we just read and say this is true of God. He doesn't just call us to these things, He is this Himself. And so we can actually do a fun exercise, and I know some of you have just finished school, so the idea of an exercise probably isn't really fun. You're like, I just got on my holidays. But a, a cool exercise would be to actually take the word love out 
and insert the word God in instead. Like, if, if that is true, if God is love, we can probably rightly do that. And so I want to do that with you here, actually. I, I just jotted, jotted this down, but you can read it with me again as we think about that. God is patient and God is kind. God does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things and endures all things. So just think of the cross as we read that, right? God and his love will never end. All that we said there is true. All of that, those things about God are true because God is love. But why do we say that God is love and not just say that God is loving? Which, by the way, that would be a true statement as well. We always say God is love, not God is really loving. And the reason we do that is because it's actually a stronger statement. It carries more weight. What we're saying when we say that God is love, not just loving, is that he is the essence of love. That word essence means something condensed down into its purest form. And so if we want to know really what love is, we can look at God and know what it is because he is the condensed, the most purest form of that. A number of years ago, I was with a team in Mexico from our church and we're out. I can't remember if I've told you guys this story before, but we were out in this crazy back part of Mexico uh, working with some churches out there. And we had this local guy who was cooking for us, a guy named Domingo. He's a really nice guy. He did a great job cooking for our team. And uh, one night, I remember, he brought out this little vial of uh, hot sauce. And this was a hot sauce that he had made himself. And it was where he had taken habanero peppers. And if you know what that is, it's a very, very, very spicy hot pepper. And he had somehow condensed it, like got the essence of habanero into this bottle. And so he's like, this is very spicy. You know, he threw a translator, like, just be careful with it. Does anybody want to try it? And I'm like, yeah. I'll try that. So we had this big bowl of soup that we'd each uh, had in front of us. And so I got a teaspoon and I put a, you know, I shook this into a, a teaspoon and put it into my bowl. And I looked up and Domingo's like, oh, I'm like, it wasn't that much. Like, surely it's not that bad. I have never sweated. I've never had my mouth and my throat so on fire as that moment in my entire life. And it was because this had concentrated, this was the essence of habanero that I was eating. And much in the same way, when we say that God is love, what we mean is that he is the essence of love. He is love. If we really want to know and understand what love is, he is love in the purest form. There's a problem that we need to be careful of when we talk about this truth that God is love. The danger is this, that we can use this truth and reality, which is 100% true, as some sort of theological trump card. Now, do you guys know what a trump card is? Like, that's the card that if you're playing a game of cards, that somebody brings out that beats all the other cards. It's the card that, you know, gets played and everybody's like, oh, okay, you just won because you played the trump card. That's the, the card that wins the game. And in some ways, sometimes we can be tempted to look at this truth that God is love to kind of trump other things that we know are true about God. And in the church... In the West, in recent decades, and even maybe longer than that, there's been a there's been a a, a leaning towards even doing that at time, um, and, and that's not good because really what people are trying and desiring to do 
is to kind of erase the truths about God that they're uncomfortable with by playing this love card to basically say, well, you know, isn't God love? You know, I, I don't really want to think about that. And so they can use that to talk, to kind of get rid of the idea of consequences or judgment or justice or, or even hell. And so we need to be careful when we talk about this truth that God is love. I'll, I'll show you one of the ways that this plays out by reading with you a very famous passage, John chapter 3, verse 16. And so uh, I think Trafford's actually going to read this one for us. John 3. We're going to read verse 16 and 17. I mean, if you want to talk about a famous Bible passage, I don't think there's a, a more famous passage in the Bible than John 3.16. And, and we often want to just look at this and think, oh, God's love. Look at that. So, so let's read that together. Which, by the way, it is true. I'm not saying it's not true. But we've just got to look at this in the right Capacity. Okay, Traff, can you read for us verse 16 and 17? There you go. That's good. But God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that it, they might be saved through Him. It's a beautiful passage. 100% true. But we want to often, when we're leaning this way to just saying, you know, love wins, love is okay, you know, ultimately love will triumph. That is true, but it, not at the expense of the other realities of who God is. Because we want to stop reading there. But let me invite you to read on to the very next verse with me. It says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Beautiful, yes, good. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There are realities about God, all the things we've been talking about the last 12 weeks and much, much more that we must hold all together when we talk about God. God is unchanging. God is perfect. He is just and holy and good and at the same time he is love but God when we say God is love it's not at the expense of his other attributes all his attributes sit harmoniously and perfectly together and we can just struggle to understand that we look at that and we're like huh, how does that work but let's be honest we can look at any of these attributes of God and struggle right we look at whether it's the sovereignty of God or the fact that he's even good or that he is three in one. Like we look at these things and we're like, wow, that's hard. Or even this one, that he is love. We can struggle to understand what that means. Thankfully, God doesn't just use words to describe this attribute of his love to us. Some of you, like me, may be visual. You like to see things kind of pictured out for you, illustrated for you. There can be times in my life where I'm trying to talk about something. You're like, I just need to picture that. God has illustrated and mapped out what love looks like for us in Jesus. Jesus gives us a full and detailed image of what God's love looks like. We don't just have 1 Corinthians 13 with some lovely words. We have a picture in Jesus' life. Not surprisingly, it looks and feels pretty radical when we examine it. I don't know if you felt this earlier, but when we read 1 Corinthians 13, and we're reading through that love is patient, love is kind, all of that stuff, you can read that list and you're like, wow, I'm not very good at that. You know, like, as you read what love is, that, I'm maybe not an expert at that. 
And equally, likewise, as we look at Jesus, we can tend to look at Jesus' life and think, Whoo, wow, if that's what love is, I don't know how good I am at that. Because we look at his life and he was so humble, so sacrificial, so others-oriented and even selfless. In fact, I'd be concerned if you saw the list in 1 Corinthians 13 or if you, uh, if you looked at Jesus' life and thought, yeah, okay, that's what love is. I'll, I'll have a go. I think I can do that. Like that would be concerning if that was your kind of disposition here. What I hope that you're seeing and what I am seeing in this is that this call to love is actually a bar that we can't jump over. The God who is love calls us to love like him, but we fall short. Every single one of the Ten Commandments, by the way, the Ten Commandments are the, the laws in the Old Testament that God gave his people, where God said, hey, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of laws, but these are the ten main things. All of them have links across to either loving God or loving people. And the truth is, we fail, we fall short in all of those things, in all of those areas. I read this verse a couple of weeks ago, but I've got to read it again. Romans 3, 23. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we just don't measure up to loving like we could or should. And this is where the message, the hope-filled message of Jesus is so good. Because Jesus is not just a good example. There are many people who live their lives in this world thinking that Jesus was a nice guy or a prophet or just this example of it, of what, how he could or should live. But no, he was the son of God who came for us and died for us to make us right with God, who forgives us for our falling short in loving, who makes us right with God. We can maybe say it like this. Jesus came in love and died in love To make us a part of God's family of love. Let me say that one more time. Jesus came in love and died in love to make us a part of God's family of love. I'm going to have Weston read for us 1 John 3. And just the first sentence is good if you want to read that for us, Weston. But 1 John 3 verse 1 in the first sentence there. That's good. Good job. That is what we are. If you read this, it often has an exclamation mark there because it's trying to get through to us and say, this is an incredible statement. What kind of love, there's our key word, the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. We're adopted into God's family. And this wasn't a cheap thing that happened. It was very costly For Jesus to come and to die for us, to make us a part of his family, to give us... I mean, it was the ultimate act of love. John 15, 13, Jesus said it like this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus has done for us. The greatest act of love, which was that act of him coming and dying for us, repairs our many failures to love. And those failures that we have are in loving God and loving people. I'm going to read for you three simple statements, just as we reflect on the things that we've said here. And I I want you to just think over these statements. The first one is this, God is love. You've heard that statement. Hopefully you've also heard this second statement coming through. God gives us his love through Jesus. Amen, right? 
And then thirdly, God calls us to share his love. I think often we hear that third statement and we try and do it without Jesus' love filling and fueling us. We hear a call to love and we, or we even, some people just, even if they're not Christians, feel like, yeah, I need to be a good person or I need to love others, I need to show kindness. God has put that desire in us and yet we try and do it without Jesus' love being the fuel for us. But that's like trying to drive a car without fueling it. It won't go very far. It will ultimately run out. The only way that we can truly fulfill the call to love which is undoubtedly here, as we've already said, is by being filled with God's love first. So I don't want you to hear me saying today, hey, God is love, and you guys, you need to go out there and love. No, the essential part in there is first soaking in the love of Jesus so that it can very naturally flow out and through you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says this, We love because He first loved us. It doesn't say we love because Jesus told us to. It doesn't say we love because Jesus gave us a really good example of what, what to do. By the way, Jesus did tell us there and He did give us a good example. But we love because He first loved us. He fills our tank so that we can then go and be the people that God's called us to be. So the question staring us in the face now is, have you been filled with God's love through Jesus' forgiveness? Because if you haven't, don't go any further, right? Like that's where we need to park today and say, okay, do I know God's love given to me through Jesus? If you're sitting here and you're like, yes, I do know God's love and I have experienced Jesus' forgiveness, I, I would call myself a Christian. There's another question we can move on to, and that is to say, is God's love flowing through me? And is it flowing so freely through me that others can notice it? Others can see it. Many of you have read through the book of Acts in the New Testament. Undeniably, the people there could see love flowing through and changing these people in the early church. It says that people were in awe of them. They looked at them and they're like, wow, I respect you. Like, what's going on there? There's something crazy going on. It was Jesus' love filling them and flowing through them. And much in the same way, I want to be challenged today to not just hear some theology. And so I ask you to not just sit here today and say, okay, got it. God is love. That's good theology, Harley. That's good thinking about God. It's got to be more than that. Equally, I don't want you to hear that Jesus loves you and He forgives you and to stop there. That He has poured out His love for you. That is true. But there has to be that sending impulse when we talk about God's love. We don't want to just hear this and think about this as a, as a truth. We don't want to just receive God's love and say, thanks for that. No. We also need to be sent into the world to, to be carriers of love wherever God has placed us. In our homes, I wouldn't say in our schools, but you guys are on holidays. In our workplaces, wherever God puts us in the coming days, weeks, months and years. May God's love flow free, freely through us. And may that be the focus of our lives. I'm going to pray for us and then Charlie's going to lead us in just a time of communion. So let's, let's pray together. God, we don't want to just have good theological thoughts. 
just thoughts about your love. God, we don't want to just receive the love of Jesus in our lives and say thanks for that either. God, we want to go and to share the love that we have received. And so as we finish this series of looking at all these truths about who you are, what better way to reflect on the great love that you've given us, but also think about the very practical calling on our lives to go and to be your ambassadors of love wherever you put us in the world. God, may we each daily drink deeply from your love so that we can share it to the world around us. May we not try and love out of our own strength and out of our own energy. God, we know that that ultimately won't work. So we come to you today and we receive again your great love and we ask you to send us into your world to be carriers of your love wherever you place us. Thank you, God. Amen.